I cannot tell you how many startups are in Canada and say, we got tired of calling on Canadian corporations because they just let us on. Like it was meeting after meeting after meeting. We went down to the US and we sold much more very quickly. And to me, the what I would say to Canadian corporations is, I am not suggesting that you work more with startups as a, a give back. I actually think you should do it because it's in your own best interest. And if you, if you want to get that innovation and if you want to innovate as quickly as your U.S. competitors are innovating, you need to embrace startups and figure out how you can work with them. Resources, um, you know, are limited and founders are getting frustrated with the lack of speed, getting resources potentially from other municipalities sort of cobbled together to be shared in, in you know, other spaces, et cetera, versus coming together and saying, okay, we're going to create a really fantastic how to start up 101 guide that all of these various groups are going to work on together. We'll have one source of truth, have an anchored, tested, fantastic resource. Instead, so many folks are building net new things over and over and over again, which requires a lot of time and energy. Hello, and welcome to Future Forward on the futureeconomy.ca, a conversation series with Canadian experts where we delve into the pivotal forces shaping Canada's future economy. I'm your host, Sasha Kostich, President of MasterCard Canada. Today's episode shines a spotlight on the dynamic engine of growth that is startups. Startups are the heartbeat of our economic future. They are the engines of change, the vessels of innovation, and the birthplaces of tomorrow's giants. Helping them grow and ensure they can make a lasting home in Canada is crucial to our future economy's success. While Canada is turning out more tech startups than ever before, the recent global economic downturn has impacted their funding opportunities, with Q1 2023 investments dropping by 83% compared to the same time period in 2022. I hope that today's episode will shine a light on how startups are driving Canada's growth, what investments are necessary from corporations and government to help them succeed, and how we can ensure that startups are part of Canada's future success at home and internationally. On this episode, I'm joined by Kayla Isabel, CEO of Startup Canada, and Janet Bannister, founder and managing partner of Staircase Ventures. Today, Kayla, Janet, and I will explore the state of the startup economy in Canada and identify calls to action for industry, government, and key stakeholders across Canada on what must be done now and by who to ensure that Canada startups are successful and remain competitive in Canada and beyond. Welcome, Kayla. Welcome, Janet. Let's get to it. I'm going to start with a couple of introductory questions. And Kayla, I'm going to start with you. You've dedicated your career to supporting startups. And so can you tell us a little bit about how your passion for helping entrepreneurs started and why you pursued a career in this field? Amazing. And thanks so much for having me, Sasha. And, and it's great to join you here, Janet. Um, my career into entrepreneur support is not very conventional, like many entrepreneurial ventures. Um, I actually started in consulting in Ottawa, so working with um, a number of federal and provincial clients traveling across Canada, uh, working with crown corporations, um, some nonprofits, wide gamut of, uh, of clients, uh, mainly in strategic communications and change management. 
after doing that for about five, six years, I really just wanted to shake things up a little bit. I describe it as sort of shaking the snow globe of my life a little. Um, and I decided to move to East Africa. I wanted to do something completely different, experience a completely new culture, um, and try something new in sort of entrepreneurship, but uh, mainly in the tourism space. So I was working with the Tanzania Tourism Board, um, helping founders across Tanzania build tourism businesses. Think restaurants, guides, safari tour operators, um, anyone essentially trying to attract international clients to incredible Tanzania. Um, and that's where I met so many founders who were entrepreneurs out of necessity, who were trying to you know, bring money and support their livelihoods and support their families, um, who were so resourceful and energetic and passionate and just brilliant. Um, and that's sort of where I caught this, this entrepreneurship bug that I knew I wanted to bring back um, into Canada. So in 2019, I traveled for a little bit more, um, came back to Ottawa that fall and met my predecessor, Victoria Lennox, a week later through Startup Canada and uh, the rest is history. So it's been a wild ride ever since. I joined right before the pandemic and my leadership started March 1st, 2020, which was a bit bumpy, but uh, it's been pretty incredible over the last couple of years. Well, really glad to hear have you here. Uh, and Janet, I'm going to ask you a similar question. You have gone from being an entrepreneur to helping entrepreneurs. You launched Kijiji. Now you're running Staircase Ventures. So what about these experiences led you to pursue a career in developing entrepreneurs? So what I found is I absolutely love entrepreneurship. Uh, when I launched and built Kijiji, it was an incredible experience. It certainly wasn't easy, um, but it was rewarding and it was exciting. And I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to work with amazing people, many of whom are still great friends today. And I think, what, as I said, what I love the most about it is sort of being that underdog and challenging the status quo and then going on and creating something that is long lasting. And, you know, having lived through the highs and the lows and um, all of those experiences uh, at Kijiji, I thought, you know, and other experiences as well in my career, I thought, you know what, I, what I want to do for the rest of my career is really dedicate myself to helping other entrepreneurs, to leveraging my experiences and what I've done in the past to really help accelerate the growth of other founders and help them achieve their dreams. You've definitely reinforced that we have the right guests on our show today because we're going to talk about Canada, we're going to talk about global, we're going to talk about scaling uh, and the themes that you've uh, sort of uncovered for us right now with respect to newness, long lasting, global, local, uh, with an underlying passion. We're off to the races with a great start. Kayla, I'm going to start with you um, and a question around in your role as CEO of Startup Canada, are there any industry segments or verticals that you're seeing that are dominating the startup space in Canada? Um, and if yes, how does that compare to other countries? Yeah, absolutely. So at Startup Canada, we support any early stage entrepreneur. So that's traditional, you know, tech startups um, and small businesses and sort of everything in between. Um, and with that comes a tremendous amount of variety. We cover every single industry uh, regionally. We see everything happening across the country, coast to coast to coast. Um, and so when we look at that full community, we see a tremendous amount of diversity. And I can't really say, you know, one specific industry sort of tops. Um, but if we look at Canada at large, we see a lot of service producing companies versus um, goods producing. So in terms of services, we're seeing lots of professional scientific and technical services, 
retail trade, healthcare and social services, um, those types of folks are very dominant across Canada. Then if we look more goods producing segments, construction, agriculture, forestry, fishing, manufacturing, et cetera, lots of movement happening in that space. And that's across the business community at large. When we look at high growth firms and those that are really going to potentially skyrocket, maybe talk to Janet one day, <laughs> we're seeing you know, a lot of energy and mining um, growth, information, sort of those cultural industries and the professional services as well. But to me, the industries that we're really seeing the most substantial growth and potential for growth are in healthcare, technology, and agriculture. And the reason for this, from my perspective, is really echoed internationally that these sectors are focusing on some of our most pressing core needs of both our Canadian population and globally. Um, and so that's where we need to see more investment, you know, to ensure that those companies are scaling and that Canada becomes sort of that leader across those various spaces. In terms of region, if you sort of double click across every city, part of the beauty of building a business in Canada is this nuance per city that you get this different flavor and energy and kind of community around. So if you're looking at Toronto Waterloo, you know, you might see more AI based businesses, big data, life sciences, aerospace, automotive, that kind of happening in that corridor versus a Montreal where you might see, you know, high tech, lots of visual effects and animation, video games, manufacturing again, cyber, still a tremendous amount of variety. Um, but as a collective, Canada has such incredible diversity that once we sort of take that snapshot city per city, we see tremendous disruption happening across pretty much every single industry, um, which I think is really encouraging when it comes to global competitiveness that we've got a little bit of everything. Great. I love the theme of diversity. We're going to come back to that one in a minute. But as you focused, Kayla, on sort of the positive and the momentum, I do want to switch, Janet, to you and ask you um, as founder and managing partner of Staircase Ventures, given the fact that startups amount to 12% of Canada's GDP, so a big number, it's meaningful, but it could be more. Uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you see Canadian entrepreneurs experiencing today that might be hindering their growth? Yeah, so I'll talk specifically about tech startups or tech entrepreneurs, because that's who I'm most familiar. Um, I would say for any tech entrepreneurs, Canada is a great place to launch and build a tech company. We've got great tech talent, and whether you look at what's coming out of universities such as U of T, Waterloo, University of Montreal, University of Alberta, and many others, or whether you look at the immigrant talent that we're able to uh, bring into the country, which is some of it is extremely talented and is joining our fastest growing companies. Um, you know, it's a great place to build a company, not to mention the fact that we have open access to sell into many, many countries around the world. That being said, I think the, there are challenges. Wherever you build your business, there's going to be challenges. And I think that one of the cha common challenges that I have seen in Canada is that there is not a lot of leadership talent in Canada that has grown a tech business from say 50 to 100 million in sales to 500 million in sales or a billion in sales. And that is where I see we need more people who have done that. So there are some great companies that have done that, you know, Point Click Care, Shopify, obviously, other players that have seen that amazing growth but there's not enough of them to have that flywheel effect of having, you know, those senior leaders who are able to take the company to that next level. And what's the implication of that, uh, Janet, if we don't have that senior leadership that has the experience in scaling and can pass that down to uh, up and coming tech companies? What does that mean for those companies and what does that mean for Canada and our economy? 
So, you know, it's interesting. I was actually having a conversation with somebody just the other day. Is So what we see with these companies in Canada is when they don't have the, the leadership to scale it, then a couple of things happen. Either they sell out too early and then, you know, that company is sold often to a U.S. company. Or what happens is they say, hey, we, we want to continue growing, we're, but we're going to hire our senior executives in the U.S. because we need people who have done this before. And then the challenge with that is even if the CEO remains in Canada, or you have some people, or even the tech talent team, you will move more and more of the leadership or the senior leadership outside Canada. And then those people are going to hire people underneath them that generally speaking are in their city. And so then sort of that next generation, we're losing the opportunity to create that next generation of managers who can do that because those leaders are not in Canada. That is such a critical point. In my previous conversation with Goldie Hyder, president of the Business Council of Canada, he drew on exactly this challenge for Canada. We have great technology, we have great talent, we have smart people who have brilliant ideas, but when it comes to scaling, we miss out of the opportunity to the U.S. And I love the way that you have connected it to the importance of growing our next generation of tech leaders, that flywheel and that circle. We're clearly not maximizing that in Canada today. Yes. And it's a, there's been a lot of talk about, hey, you know, if you think about R&D, research and development, Canada's great in the research. You look at our research institutions, whether that be in technology or healthcare, you know, drug discovery, all of that is very strong in terms of the research, but we have not in general, there are exceptions for sure, but in general, we have not been able to translate that research into development. And I would argue it's because we, it's a different skill set, right? There's one skill set to do the research. There's another skill set to say, Hey, let's take this to market and build a huge company around it. And um, I think that's the leadership we need more of in Canada. That's fantastic. Kayla, I'm going to come back to, connected to Janet's point, a comment that you made earlier around diversity. Uh, and I'm curious in terms of what you're seeing uh, around the diversity of our entrepreneurs, not the ideas or the sectors, but the actual individuals. And how is Canada doing with respect to, does our entrepreneurship reflect the diversity of Canadian society today? Any groups overrepresented, any groups underrepresented? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it blends beautifully to um, Janet's kind of see it, be it mentality as well, that if you're not seeing a diverse um, community of later stage founders that have successfully scaled these incredible businesses, how are you going to potentially see yourself in that mix um, growing if, you know, it's a woman-led venture or if you're a black founder or an indigenous founder, et cetera. Um, I think we struggle in using very few examples and illustrations of very diverse founders as sort of these Canadian success stories. And yes, you know, we want to be pointing to, um, you know, some of those folks, but we need to make sure that all of the stories that we're telling are beyond just three, you know, women-led ventures, Indigenous ventures, and, uh, you know, Black-led ventures, et cetera. Um, I think when it comes to women in particular, this is a conversation I probably have daily when it comes to investment, and I'm sure Janet has as well, um, that we need to see women-led ventures scale. Um, they are profitable. They are incredible businesses. There is no shortage of talent and energy and entrepreneurial horsepower propelling these businesses forward. Uh, but we need to see more investment going and measuring that investment um, over longer periods of time to help women-led ventures grow. 
we need to see more representation across a wider variety of sectors as well. We see women dominating in particular spaces or not even quite dominating, but uh, you know, working um, potentially more in community in some of those spaces. We need to see that diversified. So more women are in tech, in STEM, um, looking at you know lots of other spaces. When we look at other areas of diversity, I want to be very specific and almost naming them individually because I think part of the challenge is we sort of cluster it all under this diversity umbrella right. and say that it's you know one one large community. It's much more nuanced. It's so much more nuanced and the barriers are nuanced as well. And we're starting to get so much more research about what those um, nuanced barriers are and the intersectionality of identity as well. We look at indigenous women um, and looking at those additional hurdles and barriers. There's so much texture in that lived experience. Um, when we look at folks with a disability and people with a disability, I think this is a huge space. We could see more growth and innovation, um, not just in promoting entrepreneurs with a disability, but having entrepreneurs with a disability build products and services for their community, by their community, um, and seeing investment go to those types of ventures. I think of, you know, Mayan Ziv and incredible um, founders who are sort of paving that way and giving us some models, uh, but there's more in that space. In terms of indigenous entrepreneurship, um, the Women's Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub is doing a lot of great research looking at that intersectionality of women and, and indigenous. And a lot of the bias and the lack of trust and um, the lack of support scaffolding these businesses, we've been sort of feeling this energy and this chronic gap for years, uh, but we now actually have research to back a lot of those tensions and pain points. Um, that gives us a bit of more of a roadmap moving forward to make sure that we, we see some more of those, those ventures scaling and improve relationships with financial institutions. That is you know, a key barrier to many of these folks. We could do an entire episode on uh, diversity in entrepreneurship, but given that we've got uh, I look at what we've got on the screen, we've got three women on the screen. And so for the purposes of today, I'm going to focus on that. Um, and Janet, you were Venture Capital Journal's 2021 Women of Influence in Private Market. You were also PitchBook's 2021 Female Founders and Investors to Know. Um, and the statistics show, though, that only 17% of Canadian small and medium businesses are owned by women. So question is, why? So, I mean, I think... If you look at the data, women-owned businesses have a higher success rate and tend to do more with less capital. So it's not an issue of women-owned businesses are, are, are failing. No, the issue is that not enough women are starting businesses. And so we need to do more to get women to start businesses. And I think that that starts in our schools and I think that high school, and frankly, this is true. What I'm saying is true for women. I think, frankly, it's true for men as well, because we need more entrepreneurship in general. Um, and so, you know, having had a, a son who just completed high school, like high schools are not teaching entrepreneurship as a desirable career path. And I think that that is a mess in our schools. Now, there are great programs. Junior Achievement, for instance, is a fantastic program. Um, but I think more needs to be done so that students who are graduating from high school and graduating from university are going down the entrepreneurial path. So to both of you then, uh, just to pick up on that theme, any other ideas on what corporations and governments can do to help propel the number of women and diverse populations in the tech startup field? I love, Janet, that you focused on education. That's one critical pillar. The other two, I would say, are corporations and government. So maybe an idea from each of you um, on what else we can do to help drive 
um, diversity in our entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship more generally. Yeah, money. <laughs> We'd love to see the money. <laughs> um, I think, you know, the Thrive Lab through BDC, obviously an incredible partnership with many stakeholders involved, 100 million in uh, equity and equity-like investment, women-led businesses, um, and, and diversifying even what it means to support women-led ventures in a, in a broad array of industries. It's not just a, a tech-specific fund, um, could be tech-enabled, could be um, you know, looking more in the social impact space. There's a wide kind of definition of who can be included in a lot of that funding, which I love. And I would love to see as, that, um, as those funds get invested, what are the results from those investments and having better data on where that funding is going. Um, so I think partnerships with crowns, with government, um, with ecosystem players also involved. Um, it's beautiful to see everybody really rally together and make sure founders hear about these opportunities as well, because there's so much information out there to be processing. Janet, anything to add? I would say I would say one thing for corporations and one thing for government. And both actually will help women, but they will help all entrepreneurs. Um, and so one is for Canadian corporations to buy more from startups. I cannot tell you how many startups are in Canada and say, we got tired of calling on Canadian corporations because they just let us on. Like it was meeting after meeting after meeting. We went down to the US and we sold much more very quickly. And to me, the what I would say to Canadian corporations is, I'm not suggesting that you work more with startups as a, a give back, I actually think you should do it because it's in your own best interest. And if you, if you want to get that innovation and if you want to innovate as quickly as your US competitors are innovating, you need to embrace startups and figure out how you can work with them. So that's what I would say on corporations. In terms of the government, interestingly, when we talk to entrepreneurs and when you look at sort of the survey results, um, the number one request from entrepreneurs is fewer regulatory hurdles, less red tape, make it easier for us to start a business to, as I said, get through all of the regulations, whether they be general or whether they be industry specific um, red tape that burdens down small businesses. That's great. I'm going to zoom out a little bit and we've talked about Canada to start. Let's look a little bit globally. Uh, Kyla, I'm going to turn it to you. You are a member of the Continental Council at Allied for Startups, which I think gives you a great view into the state of startups globally. Any challenges that Canadian startups are facing that are same as the challenges across the world? Are there universal truths uh, in the entrepreneurship space? Or are there any distinct challenges that you see here at home? Yeah, I, I'd say Canada, US, EU, we're all fighting sort of similar battles. Um, Ally for Startups also has members across Africa in developing you know, ecosystems across Latin America as well. And I'd say those ecosystems are potentially a few years behind using the blueprints of what Allied for Startups is advocating for as that sort of um, information and, and those recommendations coming directly from, from Allied. Um, in terms of focus areas, things that are coming up very frequently, net neutrality, AI, um, global data flows is something I'm learning quite a bit about um, that they've been uh, talking about quite a bit um, across parliament um, and the future of work talent like that is you know it's coming up daily in conversations janet has also pointed to it earlier how do we not only 
um, attract top talent into Canada, but start businesses in Canada that want to stay in Canada, resourced by the right levels of talent at every single senior leadership down to you know middle management and and new you know exciting folks joining these various startups. Everybody is struggling with talent at the moment, um, and as the economy shifts, as all of these global factors continue to play out. I don't think that's going to get solved anytime soon. We'll, we'll sort of continue to see some of those trends evolve, um, but it's definitely top of mind um, across the EU. And, and as folks are trying to build the best businesses that they can, obviously you need the best humans to do that. What about the flip side of that question? Uh, in addition to sort of challenges and trends, are there any best practices that you're seeing in other countries or other markets on how small business and entrepreneurs are being nurtured or supported that you think we should be bringing back to Canada? Honestly, I think Canada's doing pretty well. <laughs> the more conversations I enter into with, with the board, I'd say our strength is in collaboration. What we don't often see across these other ecosystems is government, you know, other incubators, accelerators, folks that are providing the programming and wraparound support, investors, having all of those folks really working in close collaboration. Canada is pretty exceptional at that. Um, and globally, you may have smaller geography, smaller players or fewer players in specific countries that makes it naturally a little bit easier to, to collaborate in close proximity. Um, that spirit isn't necessarily there. It's also a bit more competitive uh, potentially across other folks. So I think we actually have a lot to be proud of <laughs> once we juxtapose Canada across some of these other folks. Um, I think Estonia is, you know, obviously an incredible place to look at when we look at the number of unicorns and incredible growth of ventures for such a small population. Um, there's a lot that we can learn to Janet's point as well around the reduction in red tape, the reduced bureaucracy. They have this, you know, startup in 24 hours kind of mentality that you can start any business you want super quickly. Um, that spirit of speed is maybe where we could um, get some lessons learned from, from other folks across the world. So that's a very positive message. Uh, but if I take another angle on that, there's some new reports from Statistics Canada that show that new business creation in Canada has actually stalled since the start of COVID-19 and is unlikely to bounce back quickly with things like high inflation rates, the cost of operating on the rise. And that is a very different situation than what we've seen in the U.S., where small businesses and new business in particular surged in 2021 with no signs of slowing down. So, Janet, over to you. Given your formative years working at eBay in Silicon Valley and the comments you've made earlier about uh, Canada losing um, some of our scale potential to the U.S., why do you think there's such a big gap between new businesses opening in Canada versus the U.S.? You know, I think so. My experience is based on living in Silicon Valley for four years. But what struck me there and actually it's supported by the data, but it, there was an extremely strong entrepreneurial spirit and much less fear of failure. And a failure was embraced as something to learn from and to grow from. And I think in Canada, um, there's more of a stigma around failure. And I think there generally is less a less risk appetite and you know i mentioned in terms of our large corporations you know how they tend to not embrace startups as quickly as their their american counterparts and i think it's along those lines where you know canadians just in the u.s 
I mean, I love Canada. I'm very loyal to Canada. I chose to come back to Canada. I think Canada is the best place in the world to launch and, and build a tech company. At the same time, and we're glad you did. Yeah, a part <laughs> of uh, being successful, if you're going to be successful, is you need to recognize, hey, where are our opportunity areas and where can we improve? And I think one of the areas where we can improve is that, that sort of hustle factor, which again, it's not true across the board. There are plenty of Canadians who take risks, who hustle, who work hard, who are aggressive. But again, generally speaking, if you look across the board of what the data shows, are those characteristics are more common in Americans than in Canadians. So we have talked about startup contributions to the Canadian economy. We've talked about their challenges and how Canadian-grown startups fare in the global market. Uh, I want to switch back to uh, our, the theme of how larger businesses and governments can help entrepreneurs develop their skills and the supports needed to scale their operations and ultimately succeed. Because I think one thing we can agree on is every small business or every entrepreneur that starts a business has a dream of scaling. Um, at MasterCard, we're clearly supporters of entrepreneurs, um, and we believe that supporting entrepreneurs can lead to a more inclusive digital economy that benefits everyone. It's why we've partnered with organizations like Powwow Pitch and Peer5 to provide mentorship, funding, training, um, and more to Canada's entrepreneurs. It's the reason we're having the conversation with the two of you today. Um, so I'd like to ask the both of you a little bit deeper perspective on what are the roles of big business? What are the roles of government, academia, stakeholders? We now have an opportunity to say, here's the to-do list for Canadian Canadians interested in helping new businesses scale. What would we add to that to-do list to make sure that entrepreneurs can succeed? Janet, I'm going to start with you and then Kayla, over to you for your perspective. So, I mean, I talked about the government, sort of their, their regulatory hurdle, but I think one other thing I would say um, in terms of the government is encourage them to buy from startups. I know that there have been some initiatives both at the federal and as well as at the provincial government where to make it um, easier for startups to sell into government or to make sure that the government is seeking out young companies when doing procurement. So, I mean, this is not a new idea, but I think that more needs to be done on that. Um, I would also say another thing that um, Kayla mentioned investments and uh, the importance of investments is it's interesting if you look at our pension plans, such as the Canadian pension plan and other uh, government pension plans, whether they be at the provincial level or otherwise, um, a lot of those pension plans invest very little or next to nothing in Canada and in Canadian businesses. And again, this is not a new idea, but you know, I think the question needs to be asked, should they be investing more in Canadian businesses? Um, I know certainly the CBPQ in, in Quebec invests quite a bit and part of their mandate is to invest in the development of the Quebec economy. Kayla, anything to add? Yeah, yeah, I've got two things. One is reducing the redundancy. <laughs> I think there's so much information out there for founders to be navigating if they're starting up, scaling up, whatever stage of their entrepreneurial journey they're at. Um, and what I've and what I've heard and found from um, different levels of government in particular is often resources are limited and founders are getting frustrated with the lack of speed, getting resources potentially from other municipalities sort of cobbled together to be shared in, in you know, other spaces, et cetera, versus coming together and saying, OK, we're going to create a really fantastic how to start up 101 guide that 
all of these various groups are going to work on together. We'll have one source of truth, have an anchored, tested, fantastic resource. Instead, so many folks are building net new things over and over and over again, which requires a lot of time and energy. We see that across the ecosystem beyond government as well. So I'd say number one, reducing that redundancy and trying to focus on higher quality programming, tools, resources, et cetera, and then focusing on the navigation. How can we have a better roadmap to showcase, hey, founder, you're in this industry, you're looking for this type of support. Here is who you can access across that continuum to make sure you're not wasting your time just researching up the wazoo every possible organization that sort of lives under the sun. During the pandemic, this became even harder when programs became national. You weren't necessarily just looking at your local um, support entities. You had a much wider um, sort of network of, of partners to, to access. So one, reducing redundancy. Two, in terms of government investment, and we're already seeing it, investing in trusted ecosystem support organizations that are already in the communities that need support. They're trusted, they have fantastic networks and programs, um, and the audiences are already built. We're seeing that with investments like the Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce, which is a historic investment for the 2SLGBTQ um, community across Canada over three years. We see that with the Women's Entrepreneurship Strategy with investment across those organizations, government funding and supporting those entities with a bit more flexibility enables us to really support them, continue to do their high quality programming under, you know, they, they often are challenged with limited resources, um, but they already have existing fabrics and networks. So let's invest in what's already working further, um, especially when it comes to underrepresented folks when we're looking at creating a more diverse startup ecosystem. say I feel conflicted by this conversation today because on one hand there is so much potential there's so much passion there's so many examples of strong startups and entrepreneurial spirit in Canada and on the other we talk about you know being a bit risk averse and not having enough hustle losing our leadership capacity to the U.S. not being able to um, you know move our, our red tape or be really efficient in supporting um, entrepreneurs and, and it shows up in the in the way our ecosystem ranks Globally, we've dropped from 13th place in 2019 to 17th place in 2023. And so it, it really is sort of this uh, kind of coming together of how do we put the practice into reality of scaling? And so I have peppered you uh, with a number of questions today. Um, and my last question is going to be a question that I didn't ask. And that is, if there's one question I wish I had asked, you wish I had asked each of you. So if there's one question that you wish I had asked you that I didn't ask on this important topic, of scaling entrepreneurship in Canada. What is the question I should have asked you? Okay, so I would say my question would be, you know, what advice would you have for people who are considering an entrepreneurial path or who are early in their entrepreneurial journey? And for those people, I would say, Sasha, to your points around that you raised, um, you know, nothing worth doing is easy, right? And entrepreneurship, is certainly not an easy path. And we have talked about some of the challenges of scaling a business in Canada. I would say though, at the same time, going back to my comments earlier in the discussion, Canada is a great place net net to launch and build a tech company. We've got great tech talent. We have access to, um, immig Im to immigrants who are coming into our country and bringing their skills. We have a hugely diverse population. Canadians are welcomed abroad in many countries around the world and can sell into those countries. 
So we have um, we're peaceful. We have a government, you know, a peaceful um, uh, democratic government. And so we have so much to be thankful for and so much to appreciate. And we do have great entrepreneurs who are launching extremely scaling businesses in Canada. And so I think the point is, hey, is we just need more of them, right? It's just, we need to double down. We need to do more. We always need to be improving. And so to those aspiring entrepreneurs, I would say, you know, go for it. Um, it is a great time to start a business. What we see generally, if you look historically, is that some of the most successful tech companies have launched during periods of economic downtime. And that is because the businesses that are born during the down economically depressed times tend to be more resilient. They tend to focus more on the fundamentals and therefore they have a higher chance of succeeding. And then finally, I would say to all the entrepreneurs who are in the process of launching a business, my, one of my biggest pieces of, pieces of advice for you would be to surround yourself with people who have walked that path before and are a few steps ahead. Build networks, build support systems, and build friendships with people who are further ahead, who can provide you with guidance and perspective. Um, and that is just, it's just critically important as you go down that journey. Fabulous insight. Thanks, Janet. That's a, a reshare of everything Janet just mentioned. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, completely agree with with all of that sentiment and and the seizing the day. Like this is really an incredible moment for disruption to solve some of the globe's you know most pressing challenges. We are in a challenging circumstance right now across so many areas, and this is the moment for entrepreneurs to be thinking creatively, thinking of solutions to, to so many of those questions. Um, and I think Canada will definitely be at the forefront of a lot of those solutions. Um, one question, or sort of the, the, the prompt, or I'm trying to think of another word, one reflection I would like to leave uh, the viewers here today is, you know, who are you not hearing from in your day to day when it comes to entrepreneurship? We often get stuck in these sort of silos or listening to people who sound and look and have similar backgrounds to us. Um, when you think of your networks, who you're amplifying, who you're supporting, and that can be from a procurement standpoint to, you know, Janet's point, that could be who you're buying your products and services from. Um, who are you not seeing in your day to day and making an active intention to diversify the folks that are in your orbit? Um, to share more of an empathetic sort of positioning. I think we all need a little bit more empathy in a time like this. Um, and then to put your money into those moments as well and really support every type of founder that exists across Canada with every purchasing decision that you make. You have so much purchasing power. You know, if that's 20 bucks or if that's thousands of dollars, et cetera, there are lots of different organizations and startups you can be supporting. So let's see who's not in these conversations and help them through that, uh, through that procurement process. Well, Kayla, Janet, you have moved me from conflicted to inspired, uh, despite some of the challenges that our um, entrepreneurs and our startups are facing. We really do have all the right ingredients in Canada. And I think it couldn't be clearer that this needs to be a collective team effort. We've got incredible entrepreneurs that will start the businesses, but it will come across education, corporations, government to really work together and help ensure that our entrepreneurs can scale and most importantly, stay in Canada 
and launch great scale from Canada. So let me thank you both for an insightful discussion today. I'm confident that our viewers are coming out of this discussion with a better understanding of the role that startups play in shaping Canada's economy, that building inclusivity in the startup space is of critical importance, as well as the competitiveness of our startups globally. So to our viewers, I'd love to see your comments below on what you think must be done to best support Canada's startups and entrepreneurs. And please sign up to the futureeconomy.ca's newsletter to be notified when the next episodes of the Future Forward series are released. Thanks for tuning in to the Future Forward series hosted by me, Sasha Krstic, President of MasterCard Canada.